thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on The Real Food Real. Today, we are joined by Dr. Adrian Lepresti, who is a registered clinical psychologist and member of the Australian Psychological Society, practicing in Perth, Western Australia. Adrian uses an integrative approach to the treatment of mental health problems, and that's exactly what we are going to explore today. Hi, Adrian, and welcome to the show. Hi, Steph. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Really excited to have you on the show. Um, just before we dive into the, our topic, though, can you give us a little bit more background information about yourself? Yeah, I'm a, uh, as, as you said earlier, I'm a clinical psychologist um, who we're practicing for about 20 years now. So uh, I have a private practice in Perth um, and also uh, do research through Murdoch University in Western Australia, uh, looking at the, uh, in, I suppose, integrative approach to depression and anxiety, particularly looking at diet, exercise, sleep in conjunction with psychological therapies. Uh, so I'm really interested and passionate about uh, using all those different facets uh, to improve people's mood. And I think really that's the, the, the future if we really want to enhance treatments. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you use the term integrated mental health care. So mm-hmm. can you describe, you know, what is the integrative approach to mental health treatment and then perhaps mm-hmm. how that differs from, say, conventional models? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the integrative approach includes the standard treatment. So uh, you might, uh, certainly it involves, you know, the psychological therapies, um, the, the most popular ones being cognitive behaviour therapy is probably the most popular psychological therapy. So it's not differing from that, but it's kind of looking at uh, the additions to the psychological therapy. One of the, the problems with the research that I was quite concerned about was the fact that um, many of the studies looking at psychological treatments, there's different models that have been evaluated over time. But unfortunately, uh, the findings were that they weren't getting any more effective. So while there was different strategies and different models, um, the, their effects on in reducing depression and anxiety didn't really improve. So that's what then led me into kind of looking at, well, what other mechanisms um, or other areas do we need to look at to improve people's mood? And that's where the integrative approach comes in, uh, and particularly looking at things like lifestyle factors, so uh, sleep, uh, your exercise, your physical activity. So how do we make changes in those particular areas in conjunction with improvements in psychological coping skills? Um and if we can use those and, and people can exercise more and sleep a little bit better and um, be exposed to sunlight a bit more, uh, they reduce their technology use and all those different things. And if you add all those to the psychological treatments, then you enhance the, uh, the, the efficacy. Well, that's the theory is you enhance the kind of outcomes with, uh, with 
therapies. And you could also add those uh, to, to medications too. So it's, it's not saying you can't use medication, but medication on its own is not going to be the answer. But if you add all these different components to it, um, then maybe you increase the, the outcomes that we can get from uh, depression and anxiety treatments. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, I love that holistic model. And I think it is the sum total. I'm sure you've had some challenges when, you know, if, if you're talking about things out of context, like someone that's suffering from depression, anxiety, you know, probably can't see how, um, you know, getting off social media is, is the answer. But mm-hmm. obviously, it's, it's in context with a combination of things that, you know, that sum total has a really positive influence. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. So I just wanted to talk a lot about um, nutrition or, mm-hmm. you know, food and, and, and what the sort of the science says mm-hmm. um, in relation to depression and anxiety. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an, a, an area that's it's probably increasing a little bit of momentum over the last decade or so, but it was, it was an area that was really poorly looked at with regards to mental health treatment. So we know about diet and, and nutrition in, in terms of enhancing physical health, but its effect on mental health was really given um, not a lot of consideration. So there's been a fair bit of research now looking at whether diet can prevent mental health disorders and also uh, whether changes in diet can improve uh, mental health. And a lot of the research is confirming that um, things like a Mediterranean-based diet a diet high in, in fish consumption, um, they are very protective against depression in particular, but also seems like also anxiety disorders. Um, and that's really positive. So we can, can now see how there's, uh, you know, changes in, in what we eat will affect our mood, probably through changes in hormones and, and, and brain structure and things like that over time. Uh, so, the next step is really so. So a lot of them look at. So a lot of the research is showing if you eat a healthier diet, you 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 minimise the chances of experiencing depression. There's only been one controlled study that's now looked at whether a dietary intervention uh, can improve uh, mood as a treatment, and uh, that was just released by some some uh, researchers uh, in uh, in the east coast. And, they, and there was really positive results there. Felice Jacker is one of the most prominent um, researchers in that area, and she found that using a dietary intervention uh, was quite effective in, in terms of improving depression symptoms as a standalone treatment. So that was really good, good to see. And that, that was using the Mediterranean diet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, mm. you certainly like a Mediterranean diet, absolutely. Yeah, mm. beautiful. Um, it's interesting though, like I wanted to get your thoughts on the, you know, the prevalence that we see with conditions like depression and, and anxiety in relation to what our national guidelines have been. You know, obviously the Mediterranean has these beautiful healthy fats which are so important for brain health and cognitive function but, you know, up until recently, we've seen a really, um, you know, a huge prescription of, of low-fat diet. So mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts on the relationship there? Yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly, um, you, know, you know, the low-fat diets and all the fats being given, you know, the, the negative publicity and, and now we're realising maybe it serves a function. So, um, and, you know, things like your fish oils, your omega-3s, seem to be really protective uh, against mental health disorders. So, so we need to kind of look at it more 
um, I suppose holistically, even with regards to the diet. So it's not just about decreasing fat. When then, obviously, as you would as as you would be aware in in your own uh, practice, is is that you know replacing the fats means that many people are replacing that with sugars. So um, so I think we need to look at um, you know fruit and veggie consumption and 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 good quality proteins and 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 good quality fats and healthy fats. Um, and that seems to be the the mechanism behind the mood lifting effects of kind of a good uh, good diet, um, and in particular, what we're finding is uh, one of the the things that are coming out with depression and anxiety is the increased inflammation that's mm. associated with depression, um, and it, it's research is confirming that people with depression have you know as a as a general whole have a low grade chronic inflammation, and. And then the next question is, well, where's that inflammation coming from? And certainly diet is one of those major factors, uh, increasing fat, you know, fast foods, high sugars, um, artificial colours, flavours, things like that seem to have a very pro-inflammatory effect and possibly through that mechanism is uh, reducing mood. Yeah, and I, I love that. I mean, to you and I, it's probably common sense, but, mm-hmm. you know, it is something that it's, you know, allowing the individual to see how much power they have with their own health based on mm-hmm. those daily decisions that they make with regards to what goes in their mouth. Whereas obviously going back to that really conventional model, it was sort of, you know, handing over your health outcomes to, you know, to, to your primary care practitioner only. So I, yeah. I love that now the research is looking at these strategies so that we can, you know, start to improve our own mental health with those decisions and, mm-hmm. you know, the inflammation is that hot topic at the moment where it's, you know, it's being linked to so many, um, if not all, chronic diseases mm-hmm. um, and conditions. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. fascinating. And, and you're right. I think, you know, people need to, to, to really kind of look at their own uh, lifestyles and things that might be impact, negatively impacting on their mood and then looking at how they can make changes. Uh, mm within those areas of which, um, you know, there's not really, I think the problem too is that you've got your, your dietitians and, you know, the word diet, so they really only target diet, you know, theoretically. But, you know, and then you've got psychologists who just do psychology and then you've got your, um, you know, all your different disciplines which are separate, but the body's just interconnected and we need to look at all those different factors. And if you're just really targeting, you know, one thing, if you're just doing meditation and you're trying to get really good at meditation that's not going to uh, uh, minimize the uh, the damage done by a poor diet so and i think that's sometimes what people are doing and they're all putting all their eggs in one basket and even as clinicians so i think we're putting all our eggs in one basket we're just doing psychological therapy or if you uh, um and as i said that's not that's not going to change lifestyle and that's not going to reduce inflammation that's occurring through poor lifestyle habits so yeah absolutely um and i can see now why your um, business is called total body psychology obviously you're looking at lots of different um strategies to you know to help with mental health so can you go through um some of the practical lifestyle strategies like the Mm -hmm. The, I guess the bottom line suggestions that you encourage as part of helping mood from an integrative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, I suppose look, when I'm when I'm seeing somebody, the first thing I'm doing is I'm I'm I'm, assess, I'm doing an assessment. So I'm really kind of I really want to personalise the treatment, mm. and 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 that means trying to look at their yeah how much exercise are they doing? What's their sleep like? Um, how much sunlight are they getting? Are they spending much time in in nature? Um, I'm thinking about technology use. I'm thinking about alcohol and drug use. Uh, so that for, that's from the lifestyle perspective, and then from a dietary perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm asking questions about uh, consumption of takeaway foods, soft drink consumption, um, artificial uh, additives and, and colours, and things like that. I'm asking about fruit and veggie consumption. So, I'm, I'm, uh, and then I'm also looking at, yeah, how do you cope with your emotions? Um, so I'm doing all that assessment to then work out well, which areas need targeting. Um, but the problem I think and, and the concern I have is that the expectation then is that people then become make significant changes in those different areas. And when you're feeling depressed or anxious, to go on a, a totally whole food diet or um, going on a, a gluten-free diet, which is, which is the craze at the moment, is very difficult um, to be able to implement that change. So I think, you know, while you know, some of those diets have their merits, many people who are in such a low mood aren't able to, to get to that level. So then I'm asking um, clients when they're coming in, you know, what changes can they make? And in my head, I'm thinking about if, if they can make uh, 10% changes in all those different areas. So they are drinking more water. For example, so previously they were drinking lots of soft drink. Let's drink more water. Let's have a piece of fruit a day because they weren't having any fruit a day. That's a small improvement. Um, on its own, it's ineffective. But when you do that, plus they're now spending a little bit more time outside, plus they are now sleeping an extra half an hour, um, Plus, they're exercising a little bit more by just walking, you know, doing a half-hour walk uh, three times a week. All of those little changes collectively create the most powerful treatment, and I, that's where I'm really looking at. I'm looking at where the client's at, what changes are they willing to make, how can we make small changes in several different areas to make a huge impact. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think step change as well. It obviously depends on where the individual's starting from. You know, if they're yeah. coming off a, a very refined <clears throat> diet, then, you mm. know, jerf is going to be, mm. you know, too, probably too much of a, a step, if, especially if they're feeling yeah. not feeling very good. So I can definitely mm -hmm. see that. Um, mm -hmm. So do you have suggestions, like specific suggestions around um, things like sleep? Or is it more general to, yeah. the, to the individual? Well, look, I mean, if, if somebody's coming in with, with good sleep, then I don't target that, obviously. Mm. So, But if somebody's coming in with, uh, um, you know, poor sleep, then we look at changes that they can make in their sleep hygiene. Um, and I think people – and, look, the, the most effective treatment for sleep problems is, is the behavioural treatment for sleep. So the behaviours that we engage in around our sleep, mm. we can improve our sleep hygiene – then we, um, that's the most effective there is for sleep. So, um, so things like, uh, you know, well, first thing, I, I think they've got to give sleep respect. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people um, 
don't understand and don't realise the importance that sleep has on both mental and physical health. So we talk a bit about that. And then some of the changes they can make from a sleep hygiene perspective are, um, you know, having a good sleep routine, making sure their, their bedroom environment is comfortable, you know, those little things uh, which are really important, uh, making sure noise and, and light uh, is considered. Um, what do they do before bed? What's their preparation uh, before sleep, are they engaging in activities that might be a bit too stimulating for them? Or, uh, can they do things that are more relaxing for them? Uh, how do we reduce light around the house in the evening so that we can, so that body becomes prepared for sleep? Um, are they having too big a meal before um, before bedtime? Uh, if they're, uh, and the other one that I think is really important is that if, if they don't fall asleep after half an hour or after twenty minutes. What are they then doing? Are they just uh, are they tossing and turning in bed? You know, it's my, you know, it's bed is for sleep. And it's not for tossing and turning. And if you stay in bed and you toss and turn, you create that association with with bedtime. So, so with, you know, your brain automatically thinks bedtime. Oh no, I'm not going to sleep. So after 20 minutes, if you can't fall asleep, you get out of bed. You do something uh, relaxing, soothing, maybe not very stimulatory. And then as soon as you're tired, you go back to bed. And I think that's a really important um, sleep hygiene rule, I think. So yeah. So all those different things uh, we would kind of consider and we target. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Now, I know you've um, also been in, involved in a lot of research um, around su- supplementation for mm-hmm. the treatment of conditions like depression and, and anxiety. Can you tell mm-hmm. us, like, um, a little bit about the science and, and then we'll sort of talk about the specific examples of, of um, the supplements that you've found to be yeah. beneficial. Yeah. Okay, yeah, with the uh, supplements, I mean, I think the, the first thing I want to highlight is that they're called supplements, they're not called replacements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that what people are trying to do is um, I think the danger is that what people are thinking with regards to supplements is they're going, um, I don't want to go on medication. I want to take a supplement instead because it's natural. But unfortunately, uh, it's, 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 there's no magic pill. There never will be. You know, antidepressants, um, yeah, they can be effective for people, but they don't uh, solve the problem of depression. They never have. They never will. Um, and as supplements are the same. But, uh, but so there's some good research around certain supplements and, uh, for the treatment of depression and anxiety. Um, you know, your, your core is your, your things like your fish oil. Um, there's some, some nice research to support uh, your, your omega-3s around mental health and the use of fish oil um, supplementation seems to have some positive effect. Um, I think, uh, you know, some of your B vitamins are really important for uh, for neurotransmitter production. So uh, serotonin um, is one neurotransmitter or brain chemical that's particularly implicated with depression and anxiety. Um, and B vitamins are, are, in, are necessary to produce that serotonin. So things like a, a B complex might be something that people uh, add to their um, to their integrative approach. And then there's um, uh, there's a whole bunch of different herbs and spices which I'm doing um, particular research on um, that may have some antidepressant effects for people too. So. Yeah, fascinating. Tell us more about the. Um, we'll start with curcumin, the the mm-hmm. turmeric extract, and and what your research mm-hmm. has revealed. Yeah, so um, 
Well, I'll just explain a bit about how I got into curcumin as an antidepressant because yeah. people think a bit, think, look at me a bit funny when I talk about curcumin as an antidepressant. So curcumin, for people who don't know, is the the uh, compound in turmeric. Um, about three to five percent of uh, tumor, of the turmeric is about, it contains curcumin in it. And curcumin has a very powerful, or has, seems to have a really positive, powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. So as I said earlier, uh, people with depression have high levels of inflammation. So that's then what led me to think about uh, some, you know, what type of anti-inflammatory, if we could look at an anti-inflammatory, reduce inflammation might be what might improve mood. And then a few years ago, there was a study where they looked at uh, an anti pharmaceutical antidepressant and they added, and so one group received a pharmaceutical antidepressant and then uh, a placebo, and then the other group received a pharmaceutical antidepressant and a pharmaceutical anti-inflammatory. And what they found was that the group that received the anti-inflammatory and the antidepressant together did far better than the antidepressant on its own. So it seemed as though the antidepressant plus the anti-inflammatory was, uh, had mood lifting effects. And that's then what led me into thinking, okay, well, I don't want to, I mean, number one, I can't prescribe um, anti-inflammatories, and number two, I don't want to prescribe uh-huh. anti-inflammatories because as uh, because of its side effects. So I wanted to then look at a natural anti-inflammatory, and that's where what led me into curcumin. So I've, and there were several animal studies that confirmed that curcumin has anti-anxiety and anti-inflammatory effects. So I then... Um, have now completed a couple of studies now looking at the effects of curcumin as an antidepressant in people with major depressive disorder. So uh, I've looked at, uh, so in in my studies, curcumin, it was done through a double-blind placebo-controlled study, so the gold standard study. And what we found was that curcumin certainly was uh, very, had positive effects on, on mood. It's not the answer. It never will be. But if it becomes part of somebody's holistic, integrative approach, it can improve mood by um, a fair bit. And uh, and particularly, um, curcumin seems to have really positive effects in people with higher inflammation. So if you have depression and you're inflamed, curcumin is probably a really good good option for you. Great. So what have you found from a, a dose point of view and also um, when it comes to choosing the right brand, so quality? Um, I mean, all my studies, I've uh, used a, a, a brand of turmeric, a patented formula of turmeric called, or curcumin called BCM95. So, mm. uh, And the reason why I, I looked at that was because there were several studies confirming. So the problem with curcumin is that it's poorly uh, absorbed in the body. Mm. And so, so really then what companies have now tried to do is to try to work out how to increase the bioavailability of curcumin. And uh, BCM was one that is combined with uh, turmeric oils, and that seemed to increase the bioavailability of it, so it's absorbed better in the body than than compared to standard curcumin. So so that's the one that I chose. There's other uh, formulas out there that had greater bioavailability, but I'd probably look at you know ones with with the greater bioavailability rather than the standard curcumin. And the dosage I've used uh, is between two hundred and fifty milligrams, two hundred fifty to five hundred milligrams twice a day uh, of the of the capsules, and they seem to be quite well tolerated. Uh, side effects are, are minimal. Um, maybe with certain people, there might be some some mild gastrointestinal 
discomfort, but it seems to be uh, quite well tolerated. Okay. And uh, and the other thing is kind of in terms of the, the duration, what we've found was it probably – so what I've found – I've done two studies now, and what I've found is probably four weeks is not enough. Um, right. In the first four weeks is probably similar in efficacy compared to um, a placebo. But then after uh, – when we I've, I've done up to 12 weeks – and uh, and the basically it seems as though placebo effects then stop after week four because placebo is quite a good antidepressant in the first few weeks anyway. Mm. Um, but then the curcumin continues, people on curcumin continue to get better. So I'd say it's, you know, minimum a month, um, two, three months is really how people want to use it. And maybe even just a low dose ongoingly is probably beneficial. Yeah, excellent. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, the, the the theory I've got at the moment too, because the issue around curcumin is the is the bioavailability. So, and even um, and I've kind of got a theory about maybe it's not about its impact and how much it of it gets into the blood. Um, my theory at the moment is kind of going well. Maybe what it does is it actually improves gut function, and there's lots of research now showing that improved gut function can improve mood. And curcumin probably has this, it does have a positive effect on gut function. And maybe by improving gut, um, uh, modifying the bacteria in our, uh, the microbes in our, in our gut, from that perspective, then the, the gut works better, we're absorbing nutrients better, our gut is less inflamed, our probiotics are making uh, uh, hormones and, and, and vitamins and essential minerals, and then it's probably by that perspective um, that it's probably improving mood, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, a very interesting area of research. I mean, obviously, we've we've sort of known for you know a century, but have forgotten along the way the importance of gut health from a, a brain health point of view. But as you would know, there's been an emergence of that popularity and certainly some new science, which is yeah. again fa- fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. So, yes. The other, the other one that um, that is it's interesting. The other one, the other one I'm doing research on is saffron. Mm. Uh, so another uh, spice, uh, people kind of freak out with saffron because it's so expensive. Um, but fortunately, uh, we're only using quite a small amount, 15 milligrams twice a day. And uh, and saffron hasn't had uh, much publicity at all as an antidepressant, which is surprising because it's probably one of the uh, natural supplements that have received the most um, clinical research. So there's now been... Uh, at least a dozen studies now looking at saffron as an antidepressant, and um, and what the research has shown is that saffron is is better than a uh, placebo. But there's been several studies now, probably about five or six now, where we've compared saffron um, to antidepressants in people with mild to moderate depression. And in all those studies, saffron has come come out as as effective as those antidepressants for people with mild to moderate depression. Um, so that's now a really, um, I think it's beginning to gain some momentum. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in saffron. I think the research is, is really good. Um, a lot of them have been done in, in, in the Iran, a lot of studies. So we really want to look at, um, at doing some of the studies here in, in, in Australia and see what impact it has in the Australian population. But, um, but I think that's another exciting uh, spice. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what about the um, the combination of curcumin and saffron? Yeah, see, I, uh, that was the one of the studies I did. I looked at the the uh, curcumin on its own, and then I had two different. So one group received a placebo, another one received two hundred fifty milligrams of curcumin uh, twice a day, the other group received five hundred, and then the fourth group received two hundred fifty milligrams of curcumin plus the saffron. Um, what we found was that the three groups, the, the two curcumins and the curcumin-saffron combination, there, was, there wasn't really much difference okay. um, between the three. Um, now, saying that, I think the study was flawed in that there wasn't – when you look at dosage studies, you really need big numbers. Mm. Um, so that there really wasn't enough people in the study to really eva- accurately evaluate the effects of the um, – of the dosage studies, so of the different dosages. So, um, so at the moment, the study wasn't, you know, showed that the three levels were, were similar, but I wouldn't hold a lot of weight to that at the moment. I think it needs to be a bit larger study there. So, larger sample size next time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I see on your website that you're actually um, doing an, another study on saffron with teenagers. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, that one there is uh, one that's underway at the moment. Um, so I'm hoping in the next, probably in the next uh, four weeks, I'll have it uh, all the um, volunteers recruited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that one, I'm looking at the effects of so because it's such the pos- so so many positive effects of saffron uh, in adults. I really wanted to see. Um, I wrote a paper a few years ago looking at um, supplements research on supplements for adolescents or youth depression. And I, I was shocked by the lack of really good quality studies. So um, there's not really much out there uh, around um, you know, vitamins, minerals, herbs, spices for, for youth depression. So I really wanted to look at whether saffron might have an effect there. So this is another double-blind placebo-controlled mm-hmm. study. So half will be placed on placebo, half on, on the saffron. Um, I'm using a, um, a high-quality saffron extract from Spain. It's called Afron, um, and so I really wanted to ensure I was using a good quality one. And um, and so yeah, we'll see whether saffron has an effect. Um, the the kids I'm recruiting they have uh, mild to moderate symptoms of um, of anxiety or, or or depression or the combination of the two. So I'm not. I'm just kind of going. You know, a, a good word is kind of your moody teenagers that's one really kind of looking at what impact it has there and we'll see hopefully uh, by the end of the year i'll have the results and uh, and see how we come from that yeah and are you still looking for subjects or volunteers i should say um i'll probably um i'll probably get enough through the recruitment or probably in the next week or two i'll have i'll have enough so yeah probably don't need too many okay excellent but there's certainly information about the study I can put in the show notes for anyone that's interested in just yeah. having a look at what you're up to. That's yeah. excellent. Oh, look, and if people are interested, I mean, if in the next few weeks, uh, um, you know, they do want to contact me and see whether they still need some volunteers, by all means, that, you know, hopefully uh, they can, I can, they can, you know, we're still recruiting, so we'll see how we go. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Was there anything else you wanted to add on supplementation or any of the research that you've been involved with? Um, the uh, another one I've just uh, written a paper on actually was sage, and so it's another. Uh, um, so there was uh, so sage for for cognitive 
um, function, so memory, attention, and things like that. So, so I wrote a review paper. I haven't completed any studies on it myself, but I wrote a review paper on SAGE for cognitive health. And again, um, you know, the, the research on SAGE is, is quite quite nice around improving attention and concentration, uh, memory function, and things like that. So there's, there's lots of uh, really good uh, herbs, spices, ingredients out there that probably have a really beneficial effect on our mood. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of research. It's really quite difficult to get funding for this type of research because um, uh, I've been fortunate enough where the, the, I've been able to get funding through the, the manufacturers of the of the patented forms of the ingredients. So, right. um, but if you're looking at just looking at a sage extract, nobody's going to make any money on that. So, therefore, um, nobody's willing to put any money into that. So it becomes very difficult. Whereas, obviously, with your your drug companies, they you know they, they've got a vested interest in one of them to look at the efficacy of their drugs, and then when they invest in that money, they have a an opportunity to just uh, promote. Uh, their um their product so we'll see yeah there's always the um the funding issue and obviously making sure that there there's not too uh, much influence from the wrong person <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so uh, yeah i mean that's one of the criticisms people often say is a lot they go well you know it was the manufacturer that that funded the mm. study and yeah well where else would i get the money and uh, <laughs> and number two you know, the, the money is is provided to us at Murdoch University. We totally manage the, the study. They we have they have no influence on the results. And mm-hmm. basically, when the uh, study's done, I go to them. Here's the manuscript. This is what we're going to publish, and hopefully for them, it's good news. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, yeah, they invest, and there's that risk that the, the study will be negative. But um, I'm, I'm you know, I'm obviously for, for companies that are interested in in, in Investing in the, in the ingredient, they you know they want to really look at, um, at assessing the efficacy of the ingredient, which is great to see. So, oh, absolutely, and obviously, you know that you hope that they'll have a product on the market that they, um, you know, already had some science to support, and your research mm-hmm. was just you know adding to that positivity. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and the only other thing I really want to add was you know I think with an integrative approach, we really kind of need to look at. Um, you know, if, if you are suffering from depression, anxieties, you know, by all means, um, you know, receive your psychological therapies um, and you know, see a psychologist to uh, to receive some support around the um, the psychology side. But, but don't. Um, but also think uh, think greater than that. Think about you know what you know. Do I need to change my diet? Should I see a dietitian to to assist me in that process? Um, do I need to make changes in my exercise? Do I need to see an exercise physiologist or, or get a personal trainer to help me with making those changes? So if we can look at a multidisciplinary approach where we include psychologists, dietitians, um, uh, you know, and medical practitioners who, who understand and support that integrative approach, then uh, you know, I think people really need to consider that. Oh, absolutely. As we've been saying, it's, you know, it's holistic and absolutely get guidance from the right people so mm-hmm. that you can look at putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and, you know, that you don't get stuck into that, um, you know, singular treatment model, which unfortunately we do see um, in yeah. conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. 
thank you very much for coming and sharing your knowledge. I love hearing about the research and um, I will link up to all the papers that you've published, um, which you have shared on your website. Um, it's been fascinating to speak with you and thank you for joining us on The Real Food Real. All right. Thanks, Steph. Pleasure. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.